Great. So we're at the two dots on 33A. And the Mishnah had said that even if a snake is wrapped around your heel, you're not allowed to stop a says, That's only true if it is a snake that's wrapped around your heel. But if it's a scorpion, then you have to stop davening and take care of this of the threat to your life, right? So the reason for this is that snakes are not inherently, they don't look to bite other people. Snakes only bite if they feel threatened. So in theory, you could continue damage from an estuary without, without, uh, without stopping, and then afterwards take the snake off, as long as you don't do anything threatening towards the snake. But when it comes to scorpion, they just damage other people without any, uh, any provocation at all. It really reminds me of, there's a story, a short story, I don't remember who wrote it, about this lady in India who everybody at the table is making fun of women, how they're the weaker sex, and they're, they're, so, they're such cowards, and the lady's not saying anything. And then it turns out that there was a snake wrapped around her foot the entire meal while everybody was talking about how she's the weaker sex. And really, there's a snake wrapped around and she just wasn't even saying anything about the snake because if she talked, then the snake would bite her. So I guess the Gemara had this idea before short story had the idea. But so yeah, so it's possible to actually have concentration while a snake is wrapped around your leg, which to me is a mind-blowing that people could actually concentrate with a snake wrapped around their leg. But that's what the Gemara seems to think people could do. Okay. Well, you can do that. Who can do that? You can do that. I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm not talking about what one should do or shouldn't do. I'm talking about the fact that one can actually have any level of concentration while there's a some sort of mamba wrapped around their heel. It just seems mind-boggling to me. That's all. Exactly. The more I ask a question. How, we, we know that this isn't true because we know that snakes are dangerous. Why? Because they're different. Gemara tells us, if you fall into a lion's den, we're not allowed to give testimony. Oh, just because I saw him fall into a lion's den, he for sure died. It's not true. Maybe he didn't die. Maybe the lion didn't kill him. If you fall into a pit that is full of snakes and scorpions, all you have to do is just see that someone fell into a pit that is full of snakes and scorpions, and you're able to give testimony about him that he died because he for sure died. Even though it was snakes, he for sure died. They killed him. So the Mara says, over there it sounds like snakes will kill you. Over here it sounds like snake won't for sure kill you. Or at least not even a level of, of certainty or even doubt that would allow you to, to stop doing what you're doing, right? Because as we know, if it would be a real question of threat to your life, of course you should stop davening right then. Shani Hassan, the case over there by falling into a pit is different. The Agav at Itzita Mazki. Because when you fell down into the pit, you cause some sort of pressure. And through your falling on them, that itself is going to be the provocation that will cause them to bite you. Amr of says, If you see oxen coming, get out of there. Stay away from a ox that has never been known to be a goring ox. Stay away from that at least 50 amas. And if you know that there's an ox, which is a forewarned ox, an ox which is already gored three times in the past, you don't even want to be within eyeshot, within eyeshot of that ox. It's said over in the name of a mayor. If the head of the axe is currently in its basket and eating um, eating some wheat, some hay, go up to the roof and throw the ladder away from underneath you, right? It's, it's obviously, it's not that the axe is going to get up the ladder, but the idea is do everything you can to stay very far away from the danger of an axe. A qualification on that statement, which is, that this is only true if it is a black ox and during the Nisan month. Because at that point, the Satan, the Malach Amavas, the Satan is, is dancing between, it, between his horns. 
Ohimazik es habrias. So it's unclear what this word is referring to. Earlier we had this brought down and it seems to be referring to some sort of some sort of a donkey mule type of cross, but it's unclear if that's what it's referring to here. Anyway, so this, this thing was being mazik, it was causing damage to the creations. So Rechanina ben Daisa was notified about this issue. Amar Laham, he said to them, show me the place in which this thing stays, the, the hole. They showed him the hole. He put his heel onto the opening. The animal came out and bit him. And the arva died. Not like Sefa, he put it on his shoulder. He said to them, see my son, what kills is not the arva, right? You think that the arva is actually what kills, the arva doesn't kill. What kills is the fact that you have done sins. At that point, what they said is, is woe to the man who meets up with an arva, and woe to an arva, Thank you. That meets up with Rebchanina ben Daisa, right? Because the Arvat, it stood no chance, even though he was the one biting Rebchanina ben Daisa. Um, so Rebchanina ben Daisa, by the way, is, is famous throughout the Gemara for being someone who had an incredible amount of faith in Hashem and who was not subject to the regular natural laws, as we'll see in other stories about him. Okay, new Mishnah. When you're davening Shemona Esrei, when do you mention when do you mention Mashavurach Murad Agashem or Murad Atal? If those who do say Murad Atal, you say that in the second bracha. And when it comes to asking Hashem to bring rain, then we say that in the bracha that is Birchas Hashanim, the bracha that asks for Parnasa, for, uh, for sustenance from Hashem. The Abdallah and when do you say the Abdallah? In Matthi Shabbos, you say it during the bracha of Chenin Adas. The Kiva and Rekiva says, I remember Bracha Revias. Rekiva says it has its own blessing, right? So you say the first three brachas, and then before Chenin Adas, you say Atachinan, or whatever sort of bracha of Havdalah Rabbi Kiva had, and then afterwards you say Atachinan. Rabbi says you actually mention the concept of Havdalah in Haida, in Maidim. In the, the, yeah, in Maidim. Okay. Why do we put Gvuros Kishamim into Tchias Hamesim? What's the connection between mentioning that Hashem brings rain in the bracha dealing with? The fact that Hashem can resuscitate the dead. Rabbi Yisus says, "You know, what we're trying to point to. We're trying to point to that is literally the equivalent of something as great as the revocation of the dead, which we think of as being the most incredible, most miraculous thing. But in truth, just the rain falling is really on the same level." There's a famous Ramban in, in next week's parasha, Parsha's Bo, that discusses the idea that everything that we see of as nature is really also just God operating, but behind the illusion of the natural laws that he had set up. So in truth, just when Hashem resuscitates the dead, that's completely against nature. So we think of that, wow, that's clearly Hashem's hand touching the world. What we don't realize is that even just the rain falling, which seems to be an evaporation, precipitation cycle, it's really also the fact that Hashem set that up as well. Afikach. Therefore, to hint to that idea, we stick it into the bracha of Chiyas When we talk about asking Hashem for rain in the bracha of asking for sustenance, my time, what's the connection? Since rain is going to be what gives us a living, so therefore we put it into the bracha dealing with giving a living. My time, why is Abdallah in the Chiyas Hamesim of all places? And the whole idea of Havdalah is to be mavchen, is to separate between what is profane and what is divine. 
So the idea of you can only separate things. You can only make distinctions and find distinctions if you have wisdom. So therefore, we put it into the bracha of wisdom. That's the bracha that is appropriate to place the idea of Havdalah into. say, look, different answer. They say, is about when do you say it? You say it when it has now become a secular, it's not secular, but now it's become a profane day. It's no longer Shabbos. It's now back to the weekday. So which bracha is the appropriate bracha to put it into? The very first chal bracha, the very first bracha that you don't say on Shabbos, that you only say on the weekdays. So the first three brachas you say on Shabbos, you say on the weekdays. So when you get to the fourth bracha, the bracha that you only say on, during the week, that's the bracha that's appropriate to mention the weekday, the weekday uh, time of mentioning Havdalah. Once we start talking about, about wisdom or knowledge or, or brains, so we start going a little further into that topic. So Deya is a very good thing. Because it is given at the beginning of the, the first bracha that we talk about on the weekday brachas, the very first bracha we talk about is wisdom, knowledge. And so there's another thing. You know why we, why knowledge or wisdom is so great? It's because it's in between two names of Hashem. Where do we see this? Shinema ki el deis Hashem. So deis is in between el, which is one of the names of Hashem, and Hashem, which is one of the names of Hashem. So deis, wisdom, or thought, is actually placed in between two names of Hashem to show us the importance of using your brain. And anybody does not have a uh, any sort of a, you know, sentient being, it's forbidden to the marachim on them, to have compassion on them. So just to speak this out, it doesn't mean forbidden to have compassion on someone just because they're not that smart, or not to have compassion on a baby because they're too young to have wisdom. It means to say someone who specifically takes themselves away from using their brain in a way that, you know, to, to abdicate their responsibility to be a, a person who makes choices, to be a person who tries to do the right thing and says, I don't care about that. I'm going to stick my hand in the sand and, you know, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow I die. That's someone who you should not have compassion on because he's Taking himself into this place on purpose. Since someone who's taken himself out of wisdom, that's someone who the the Iseyu, Hashem's creation should not have compassion on him. I'm sorry, God The Mikdash, the base of is great. It was given in between two names of two two names of Hashem. Right, so the mikdash comes in between Hashem and Hashem. Remember, Lazar, call Adam sheyesh by Deya kiilu nimle beis hamikdash. The Yamav says, well, we find that Deya is in between two names of Hashem, and mikdash is in between two names of Hashem. So if someone is using their brains properly and using their mind in the way it's meant to be used, then it's as if they built a beis hamikdash. Deya not nabein shtei aisias mikdash not nabein shtei aisias. They're both placed in between two aisias. Maskel l'ravacha kachich kachina. If so, it's all about things that are placed in between two words. We have the Nekama, Hashem taking revenge. It's also between two words, two names of Hashem. Why? Shinema. El Nekamais Hashem. El, the name of Hashem. Nekamais, Hashem taking revenge. Hashem. Again, we have this also between two things. So if, that's what, if that shows us the significance of something, just because it's surrounded on both sides by Hashem's name, so we should say the same thing about Nekama. Amarle, in. Yeah, it, it is true. So there really is something big about what you're saying. Behind the Amarula, there is some, there is a type of nakama that is an important nakama that is actually something that Hashem wants to say that this is an important thing that I want to recognize that it's important by putting it between two of my names. What is this? There are two different types of revenge that Hashem takes. So 
is one that is a good type of revenge and one that's a bad type of revenge. So Toiva, what's a good type of revenge? The Siv, Hesdiyami Haraparan, that Hashem will go out from Haraparan and will destroy our enemies. Lera'a, what's a bad type of revenge? The Siv, El Nikamais Hashem, El Nikamais Sefiyah. This is referring to when Hashem takes out anger on us for what we've done wrong. That's considered to be a bad type of revenge. But that's what the idea is. We're trying to put it in between these two, two L's to show us that this idea that there could be a good type of revenge as well. The Mishnah told us that Rekiva says, you say the bracha by, all by itself, the bracha of Havdalah, Matzah Shabbos, it's its own bracha that we say once a week, and it's, it's a completely new bracha. The men of the Great Assembly, who when they came back to Jerusalem, after they were re- when they were rebuilding the second base of Mikdash 2,400 years ago, they set up, you know, for all time, what our principles are in terms of what brachas were supposed to be saying on food. And they set up exactly the, the way tefillah, the Shemona Esrei said. And they set up what the Kedushas are. And they set up making Kiddush on Shabbos. They set up making Abdallah Matzi Shabbos. So Nechsi, Heichan Tikkun, what exactly is the Machlikas Tanayim over here? Just what's historically the fact? What happened? Which part of the Shemona Esrei did they stick the bracha into? Initially, they made a bracha, and Ashik Nesadela came along, and they said the bracha on Avadala, Matzah Shabbos, should go into the Shemona Esrei. Had Shiru, then they got wealthier, the people in Israel. They said, not only should you put it into Tvila on Matzah Shabbos, and Davin in Shemona Esrei, but rather you should also make Kiddush on Kais when you go home on wine. Henu, then they became poor again. Then they put it back into Tvila. And then they said, and even though it's back into Tvila, it's still good that you should do it on wine at the same time. So at that point, everybody became confused because there was a time period after the Anshik and had come and they had put it into a specific bracha, but then because they had stopped seeing it in the bracha, it was confused exactly how the original enactment was and therefore it gave rise to this ability to have a machlekes about that to figure out exactly where the bracha should be placed. They put in all the types of blessings that we say, and then Tfilas and Shmon Esrei, and the Kedusha, the fact that we say Kiddush on Friday night, Shabbos Day, and Kiddush on Yom Tif. Originally, they put it into Shmon Esrei. Hashiru, we got wealthy. Kavua, Allah, Kais, they stuck it into actual Havdalah with a cup on wine after after Davani. Then they got poor again. Kavua, Betfila, Vahim, Amra, Mavda, Betfila. And they still said that even though you said you said it on Tila, you still have to do it a la case if you have the ability to. Uh, still to do it a la case, you know, using um, a cup of wine. It's my nami. They said if someone davens Shmon Esrei and says Abdallah and Shmon Esrei, they still have to use a cup later on when they get home. So the question is like this. I was asking a question. Now, Ta'a. Let's say you make a mistake and you forgot to say Tchiyas Amesim in, I'm sorry, you forgot to mention the Mashavruach in Tchiyas Amesim. When you forgot to talk about Saint Talamatu Levracha in the Bracha of Bechas Hashanim, you go back for that. But if you forgot to say Abdallah and Chenin Adas, you don't go back for it. Why? Because you could say it Ala Kais. Now, it sounds like what we've been saying until now, really, the main thing is to say it in Shemun Esrei. If you don't, and, and even when you say it in Shemun Esrei, you still have to say it Alakais. Now we're saying, even if you don't say it in Shemun Esrei, you're still good, because you could say it in Havdalah later on. So which one's the main one? Don't say it because you're able to say it Alakais, so that's why you're okay. Don't say, the reason why 
you're permitted to not go back for Havdalah is because you might say it Alakais later on. It's an obligation to say it Alakais. And that's really what it should have said. It should have said the reason why it's okay, not okay, but after the fact, you don't have to go back for a missing Havdalah is because anyways, you're going to say it Alakais. You're going to say Havdalah later on with a cup of wine. If someone makes Havdalah during davening, do they have to make Havdalah later on on a cup of wine or not? They say, yes, they still have to make Havdalah on the case. Let's say it was the other way around. Let's say you already made Havdalah, right? And now you're going to daven Meirev. Then what? Do you still say when you daven Meirev, right? And this, this could happen, you know. I'm not going to say it's never happened to me. You could actually draw a kavachomer from davening. When it comes to tefillah, the main way that the Chazal set up, the Anshik Nesagadola set up the enactment that we should say Abdullah is the main one is really in davening. And still we say, Amri, and still we say that even though you already did it in tefillah, which is the main one, you still have to do it on a cup of wine later. So if you did it on wine, the labaker, that wasn't even the main takana, it's not the main reason for the enactment, see? Like college again, is it not then obvious that you're going to have to make Abdullah again later in, in Tfilah? So, the, and that is the halacha, right? That you're supposed to still make Abdullah later on in Tfilah, even if you made Abdullah a la case earlier. So, Elliot's asking, well, let's say you forgot. Sorry, you mean, and in the first one, Esther, you did say it? So, Elliot's asking, let's say you didn't say. You forgot to say and you forgot to say Okay, I'm sorry. You said the first one, but you didn't say So now you're going to have to say Shemun again. So when you say Shemun again, do you also say again? So I think that's a Machlaikas Rishayinu. I think that's a dispute in the Rishayinu, but I don't think that's here. I think that's in Msachem. Um, I think that's the same category as not saying. I think it's actually this case exactly that we talked about. But I'm not sure. Okay. Tani Ravacha Aricha Kame de Rev Hinana. Racha Aricha said in front of Rev Hinana. Amada Batila, Mishubach Yesum Mishi Adal Alakis. If someone makes Abdallah during Davening, it's even better than someone who makes Abdallah Alakis. Then blessings will fall down on his head if you do both. Now the Gemara is going to ask you a question. This is a question. You say that if someone makes Abdallah during Davening, it's better than someone who makes Abdallah on wine. Then we see that tefillah by itself is, is already enough. But then we say, even though tefillah by itself is really sufficient, then we still say, but if you do both, then you get extra blessings. One second. If you're telling me that the tefillah by itself is really sufficient, then you really already satisfied your obligation by saying it during davening. If you already satisfied your obligation by saying it during davening, who told you you're even allowed to make a bracha later on? This should be going to the category of what we call a bracha sheni tzricha, taking a blessing of using Hashem's name in a way that is not necessary, which is a, uh, it might be a real prohibition. According to Rambam, it is a biblical prohibition to make a bracha that, uh, with using Hashem's name on something that's not necessary. So when you're going to go make Abdallah al you're going to be making brachas that are not necessary. You already made Abdallah during tefillah. When you make a bracha that's not necessary, you have violated the prohibition of Don't take Hashem's name in vain. Rather say this. 
say that if you made Abdullah in one and did not make Abdullah in the other, then the blessings will fall on your head. So over here, Rashi does not help to explain what's going on over here, but the Rosh explains like this. What happens is like this. The guy did not say atechenatanu, and then he ate before actually making Abdullah. So then what's the halacha? Right? In other words, he still has to make Abdullah. But the question is, now it's his Atachinantanu that we said earlier. When you don't say Atachinantanu, it's okay because you're going to make Abdullah anyways. Let's say you didn't say Atachinantanu and you ate before you made Abdullah. If you made a mistake and you didn't, you didn't say Atachinantanu and you ate before making actual Abdullah on a cup of wine, then you actually do have to go back and dive into an esrei. Again, they explain that this is a knas. This is a penalty that, that the Chachamim said. A guy who's Blowing it off so completely, he actually does have to go back and say Havdalah all over again in Shmon I'm turning the page now to 33b. Amalei Ravina le Rava. Ravina says to Rava, Hilchus Samai, what's the halacha at the end of the day? Amalei Ki Kiddush. At the end of the day, the halacha is like, it's like Kiddush. Ma'a Kiddush, Avagad, Mekadosh, B'Tselusa, Mekadosh, Akisa. Avadol Anami, Avagad, Mekadosh, B'Tselusa, B'Tselusa, Avadol Akisa. So halacha l'maysa is, the same way by Kiddush that we make Abdullah, we make Kiddush in Shul when we're davening Shmona Esrei, we still come home and make Kiddush again. So to an Abdullah, we make Abdullah it, during davening. You still are absolutely supposed to make Abdullah again on a cup later on when you get home. Uh, so on a Torah level, it's possible that the the obligation to to be Mekadish to Shabbos, to, to sanctify the Shabbos by saying, might be satisfied by just saying, good Shabbos, right? So if you take a Shabbos, you might have already satisfied your obligation. And certainly with the fact that we say we talk about um, Atta Kidashta, that's also a, a, certainly a, satisfi- a satisfaction, satisfactory a, a way to, to fulfill that obligation on a Torah level. And then when it comes to Abdullah, also we've already done that. But yet still we see that you have the same obligation when you come home because that is the way that the sage just set up the mitzvah, that although on a Torah level you really have satisfied it, once the sages say that the way to satisfy it is through making Abdullah again when you get home, making Kiddush when you get home, Presumably, that's also considered to be you have not fulfilled your biblical obligation until you have done so. Eliezer says, when do you say the Atachanatanu or whatever sort of bracha he would have said? It was going to be during Maitim. He was riding a donkey. Did you, that which you said in the name of Rabbi Yechon, the halacha is like Rabbi Eliezer. What about the Yom Tov Shacholiyas Achas Shabbos? What's the halach over there, right? So Yom Tov Shacholiyas Achas Shabbos means it's going to be Matzah Shabbos. You can't say Atachin Antanu because you're going into Yom Tov. Sunday is going to be Yom Tov, so you can't say Atachin Antanu. Now Rabbi Yazer said that you don't have a separate bracha. Rabbi Yazer said not like the first first position in the Mishnah that we normally follow, which is that you stick it into the bracha of Atachinin. Now on Matzah Shabbos, that's also Yom Tov. You don't actually say Atachinin. So what what would you do? Where would you say the Havdalah? In that in that circumstance, she says over there we follow the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer, who says that you'd say it in Maidim. Um, in halacha. So the Gemara asks, one second, halacha mechlal the pligi. It sounds like the fact that you're saying the halacha follows Rabbi Eliezer is because there must be someone who argues on him still. But late pligi, but pligi rabbanan. And the Gemara says, and is there not an argument? But the chachamim argue on him. Eimer the pligi rabbanan b'shari mesashana. How do we know that the chachamim said that you say it in atachinin? Right, the dear you stick at Hanatanu. How do you know that they argue on Rabbi Eliezer on Matzei Shabbos? It's also Yom Tif. Maybe they only argue the rest of the days of the year that it's possible to do that. The Yom Tif Shachali is after Shabbos. On Yom Tif that falls out after Shabbos. Maybe do they argue? So the Gemara says, I'll tell you Rabbi Kiva. No, but Rabbi Kiva would still argue. Rabbi Kiva holds that you stick in a separate bracha, but not in Moedim. You stick a separate bracha in in the fourth place. So you would just say first three brachas, then you would say the fourth bracha, 
then you would say Maidim according to Rabbi Kiva. I'm sorry, then you would say the, the Birchas Hayyim, in other words, the Bracha that you say for Yamtif, and then you would go to Maidim. Now, according to Ritzay and Maidim. Now, according to Rabbi Lazar, though, it's a separate, it's going to be stuck into Maidim. So Umar says, when we say Allah is like Rabbi Lazar, we're saying like Rabbi Lazar and not like Rabbi Kiva. Umar says, Atu Kalashana Kula, Mika Abdina Rabbi Kiva, the Hashta Neku, Venevet Kavase. Umar says, why would you need to tell me that Allah is not like Rabbi Kiva? On a Matzah Shabbos, that's also Yom Tif. Did we ever say Allah is like Rabbi Kiva, that we should think that Allah follows Rabbi Kiva now? So call us Shana Kula, my time will have Dinah Rabbi Kiva. Why, the entire year, why don't we do like Rabbi Kiva's opinion? It's Hamni Sreit Tikkun. Tisha Sreit, Loit Tikkun. The reason we don't go like Rabbi Kiva is because Chazal said you should say 18 blessings. And you should say 19 blessings. Rabbi Kiva has a separate bracha, it will end up with 19 blessings. So we're not going to go with Rabbi Kiva. Achanami, Shav Tikkun, Timni Loit Tikkun. So too, on Shabbos or Yom Tif, because I'll set seven blessings. You're not going to have a separate blessing for Havdalah. That will turn it into eight blessings. I never said that the halacha follows. That wasn't what I said. I actually said matin. That I'm leaning towards the opinion that Rabbi Yezder is correct. The itmar, as we learned, So three different ways to say this in halacha. Is this the halacha, that the halacha follows this opinion? No doubt about it. Or is it not that the halacha follows, not that, you would go stand in public and say, this is the halacha, but rather you would be matin. You wouldn't say it in public, but you might tell your students that this is the opinion that is correct. Rebbechon says, neither. It's even less than that. It's just a, if it was already done, you would say, okay, fine, that's correct. But you wouldn't actually tell someone to do that ideally. Rebbechon says, Niren, it seems to me that this is the halacha. Rebbechon says, Take the way that Rebchira Abba, whatever language he told you the right language is, that's the correct language. Why? The Dayak Begamar Shmaitza Mipuma Demara Shaper. He remembered very, very carefully every single word that he heard from his teachers. So if he says the word was Niran, that is the correct word. And it gives an example. Who did he do it like? He did it like Kirachava de Pumpadisa, like Rechava of Pumpadisa. Rechava says the name of Rebbehuda. So he's quoting his Rebbe. Harabayas, Stiv, Kafo, Haya. There was a row double row of benches, and it was a row of benches in, in, inside of another row of benches. So he was very, very particular about what, which words he was using because he was a great note taker. And he said, this is the exact way that my, that my Rebbe taught me this halacha, and I'm going to say it over the exact way that my Rebbe said it over. And that's why he followed the opinion of Rebbe because he had a similar trait where he remembered the exact words that his Rebbe used. I don't know it from this, and I don't know it from this. I, I don't know. You're saying one type of Abdullah, maybe in Maidan, one type of Abdullah, maybe at the fourth bracha. I don't know from these things. I know what Rav and Shmuel said. They made for us a pearl. They enacted for us a pearl in Babel, for those of us who live in Babel. And what's the pearl? The pearl is that which we say today. That Hashem should make known to us the his righteous laws, you should teach us to do your, the, the, um, the, the enactments of your will. And you have caused us to inherit the times of, of happiness and the offerings, the free will offerings, and you caused us to inherit the idea of the Kedusha Shabbos you've given us as a portion. Kedusha Shabbos, the sanctification, the holiness of Shabbos, and the honor of being of a moed, of a yamtif, and the carbonus that are brought on a regal, on a yamtif, being kedusha Shabbos, kedusha yamtif, but you separate between the holiness of Shabbos and holiness of yamtif. And on the seventh day, from the other sixth day of the week, you have made holy. You 
shall separate and make holy your nation Israel, in your holiness, and and the rest of the bracha that we say in Batadinu. So we don't put, say we don't say any sort of Abdullah in the sense that they would have enacted on any other day of the year. We have a very special bracha that we say on Matzei Shabbos, which is Yom Tif, and this is a special bracha that we only say on that, and that is actually made up by Rav and Shmuel in Babel quite late. Okay, new Mishnah, very famous Mishnah. Three different types of prayers that people would say, we would actually say, don't say that, that's not a good thing to say. One thing that they would say is, they would say, why did Hashem give us a mitzvah shuluach that you should send away the mother bird before you take the eggs. Because the reason why Hashem did it is because Hashem cares about the birds. If somebody says that, we tell them, be quiet. Gemara is going to say why. Somebody says, and on the good, we remember your name, we tell them, be quiet. Gemara is going to explain that also. And if somebody says, maidim, maidim, somebody says, maidim twice, then also we tell them to be quiet. Gemara asks, someone says, maidim, maidim, it makes sense, so we tell them to be quiet. It seems like he's talking, he's saying thank you, the two different, two different powers. Why does he say maidim twice? One made him for the one God, one made him for a second God. Of course, we don't want it to say made him twice. And if he says that on the good, we give thanks to you. So Nami, why do we, why do we tell him to be quiet? Sounds like he's saying, we give thanks to Hashem. We remember Hashem for that which he does for us, in the, that is good, but not for that which he does for us, which is bad. But that's not true. But Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah. A person is obligated to bless Hashem for that which happens to us, that seems to be bad. It's the same way that he's obligated to bless Hashem for that which happens to be, that, that we seem to be uh, visibly good, right? The bracha is a little bit different. When something bad happens, we saw, you say, Baruch Dayan Emes, you say, um, you know, there are other things that we could say, but, but the blessing recognizes that everything that Hashem does is for the good. And that even the things that seem to be bad, they are coming from Hashem, right? We're not saying that the things that are bad don't come from Hashem. Why is it so bad if somebody says that on a kansipur, on a nest of birds, Hashem has racham in my time? What's the reason? Two Amoraim argued about this in Marava in the Western Israel. One of them says, because what you're saying is that Hashem cares more about the birds than on the other species. And all the rest of the animals are going to say, what, Hashem is a species? This is not fair. And they're going to get jealous. And therefore, you're not supposed to say that. A very important point when it comes to doing mitzvahs. That if somebody tries to find the reasons for the mitzvahs, then what you're going to basically lead to yourself down a path of saying, I do the mitzvahs that make sense to me, right? Basically the reform movement in the 1800s. I do the mitzvahs that make sense. Anything that's rational makes sense. Anything that doesn't make sense, eh, we're not going to do that. So the, the more you ascribe reason and human logic to the mitzvahs, the less you're going to feel like I do the mitzvahs because they're gzeris, because this is what Hashem wants me to do. So someone who says, oh, it's so beautiful that Hashem cares about the birds. Well, the more you think of it in those terms, the more you're going to actually take yourself away from doing the mitzvahs properly. Someone came in front of Rabbi Amar. He says, you have had mercy on the nest of a bird. You should also have mercy on us. He says, whoa, how beautiful. This guy really knows how to, how to speak, how to you know, give a good drasha to get Hashem to have mercy on us. He says, what are you talking about, Rabbi? It says in the Mishnah, if somebody says something like this, you tell him to be quiet. So Rabbi, also, he was, he was really playing a game. He wanted to see if Abaya was familiar with it. He was trying to catch Abaya off guard to make him sharper in his learning. 
Who the Nachos came the Rebbe Chanina? Someone was coming in front of Rebbe Chanina and he was dabbing. Oh my, what does he say? Hakel Agad Lagibar Tanaira. Then he adds some of his own things. There are Adir, there are others. There are Yare, Achazrek, Emet, Beavadai, the Nachbad. Hindulai add this time. So he waited for him to finish one Esrei. Key time when he finished one Esrei. Emily, same Tinu Lekula Shvachay Demarach. Did you finish all the praises of Hashem? Why did you say all these words? And then, Hani class Amina, the three praises of Hashem that we say, He loved Amina. Moshe Rabbeinu would not have already said this in the Torah. These three words which describe Hashem, Kalagadu Agiba Vanera. But also Anshik Nesel and then the Anshik Nesel came the Takantino Betzila, and they said that this should be part of our Shmonesrei. Loi Havina Yechel on the Meimah. We will never be able to say words of praise to Hashem because the Gemara is going to explain what's the issue with choosing which words of praise to use. And you're going to end up saying another six words, and then that's it. Then you stop. And then you stop. The marshal can be drawn, the analogy can be drawn to a king who has tens of thousands of silver, I'm sorry, of gold, dinar. And you say, wow, God, God, he's a really rich king. He's got lots of, of, of silver coins. That's an embarrassment to say about this king that has all the, tons of gold. To say about him that he has tons of silver, that's an embarrassment. In other words, he's saying, when you're giving praise to Hashem, you're basically adding more praise than Moshe Rabbeinu said. And then the Anshek Nesachadol said, we should say. And by giving more praise, you're saying, I'm going to give the exhaustive, the definitive list of Hashem's praise. And then you just stop right there. So what you're saying is there's nothing more to say about Hashem. That's a terribly chutzpah way to formulate your tefillah. You're not permitted to do so. Chanina says everything is in the hands of God except for fear of God. As it says, at the Israel. So Moshe Rabbeinu is speaking his final last words before he dies in the environment. He says, and now Israel, what does Hashem want from you? All he wants from you is that you should be afraid of him. It's such a small thing. So the Gemara is saying the fact that the only thing that Hashem is asking us to do is is have Yira for him, then clearly everything else Hashem is ready to grant us. So the only thing that's not that are not in the hands of Hashem to grant us is that we should develop our own Yira Shemaim, our own awe and fear of God. Gemara says one second side point here. Up to Yira Shemaim, most of the Jossi, is that true? Is Moshe is like, oh, so no big deal. All he's asking is that you have fear of God. Is that such? A, is that so no big deal that you should have fear of God? We learned earlier in Brachas, right? We learned the story of Rabbi Yochanan that Rabbi Yochanan was dying. The students came to speak to him before he died, and he said, they asked him for a bracha, and he said, my bracha is that you should be as afraid of God as you are afraid of man, right? So it's not such a small thing to be afraid of God. Not only that, it says that the, the only thing that Hashem has in his storehouse is the storehouses of Yerushalayim, for reward for Yerushalayim, right? So that seems like it is a big deal. It's not such a small thing. So, for Moshe Rabbeinu, as far as Moshe Rabbeinu is concerned, this was so no big deal. Moshe Rabbeinu's understanding, his level of recognition of what God is and his connection to God, it was so not even, it wasn't even on his horizon to think that there could be anything other than Yerushalayim. If someone, you ask someone for something that could be a very big ask, but if he already has it and he's ready to give it, then it's, for him it's, it's no big deal, it's just a small thing. Katan. If you ask someone for a katan, but he doesn't even have a small one, then it seems to him like something which is impossibly large. So basically what the Gemara is saying is, for Moshe Rabbeinu, it seems like no big deal, because he has everything. He has this Yerushimayim in spades, so he says, no big deal to have Yerushimayim. For us, we don't have any Yerushimayim, so for us, Yerushimayim looks like a tremendous thing, something that's beyond our, our ken. But in truth, it's not. So he says, twice, we come to be quiet. I'm going to say, 
Kamer Maidam Maidam, somebody says Shema Shema, it's as if they said Maidam Maidam. I mean, Mesve, Akira Shema Ukaifla, Hareze Maguna. Says that if someone says Shema and then repeats it, Hareze Maguna, it's not it's not a good thing to do. It's it's looked down upon. Maguna who the Havay Shasuka lay, Mishaskina lay. It sounds like it's not a nice thing. It doesn't sound like we're actually going to tell them not to do it. Lay Kasha, Hadamar Milsa Milsa. So if he says every single word, and then after every word, Lee Rashi explains it, if he says every single word and then repeats every word one after the other, then we're going to tell him to be quiet. On second, Rashi says, Right. So if he says each word, Shema, Shema, Yisrael, Yisrael, then we're going to tell him, then it's just Muguna, right? Then it's just not, it's not a nice thing to do. It's not the right thing to do, but we're not going to tell him to be quiet. But if he says the entire Shema and then, Stops and then says the entire Shema again. Then we actually would tell him to be quiet, and so too with Maidim. And the other one is where you say one pasuk and then repeat it, and then and say a whole pasuk and then repeat the whole pasuk. Maybe the reason why he's repeating it is because initially he did not have a proper level of concentration and focus, and therefore he has to repeat it. One second. Right, he says that basically, is it possible that someone is not going to have, is Hashem like your Chavrusa that you could just not, not be careful with the tefillah when you're davening in front of him? So we should teach him that, of course, he should have Kavana and he shouldn't even start. To daven until he understands what it means to have the proper level of kavana, then he can actually start davening. Okay, let's stop there at the top of Lamadal Amadalas. Good night.